Welcome to Vegas Inc. Radio. I'm Dylan Goldberg, host of the show and business editor of Vegas Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. Over the next half hour, we'll be discussing union activities that relates to casinos and resorts, a gaming conference that recently took place in Las Vegas, and a cool way to cool your drinks at a local casino. But first, we turn our attention to some utility and real estate news. I'm here with uh, reporter Eli Siegel. Welcome, Eli. Hi, Dylan. Um, so the big news of the last several weeks is Envy Energy and um it sounds like, it, well, I'll say proposed because it's not a done deal, but it, it sounds like pretty much a done deal to be purchased by Warren Buffett. Yeah, this is a pretty pretty big transaction. W- Warren Buffett, who's the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway, one of his subsidiaries, it's called Mid-American Energy Holdings Company. They're based out of Iowa. They own a bunch of utilities, mostly in the western United States. They have reached a deal with the board of Envy Energy to buy the utility company, to buy the entire company, buy out to buy out every single shareholder for $5.6 billion cash. Total deal is worth about $10 billion when you throw in debt. But it's a, it's a pretty big transaction. It's a big premium uh, over the on the stock price for Envy Energy for Envy Energy, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty big deal. I guess first question is why? Why would they want Envy Energy? Why Nevada? Well, utilities in general are, are are pretty good purchases. Now, granted, some of them are weaker than others, but Envy Energy, for all the you know pe- people generally don't like the company. They're they're seen as as one person told me as the evil empire, and you know they're constantly raising rates and you know they want to install digital meters and, and all it's sorts of things. It's by all, right? Exactly. Yeah, people people there's a, there's a real sense of distrust about the utility, but if you get if you look past that and you look at them just as a company, they're actually fairly strong and they're they're very profitable and a, a lot of that has to do with rate hikes and cutting costs uh, as opposed to big jumps in revenue, but they are fairly healthy uh, as a company, and so for him, it, I think it does make sense to buy them because it's uh, it'll be a steady money maker for him. Now, is he in other utilities? Is this a new sort of avenue for him, or this is old hat? No, it's it's definitely not new at all. His uh, his subsidiary, Mid American uh, Energy, which is the actually technically the the unit that'll be buying Envy Energy, they own I want to say six or seven other utility companies right now uh, in Iowa and uh, other. And states in the Western U.S., I believe that's that's mostly where they are. And that company is significantly larger than Envy Energy. I mean, think, I think they've got about uh, before this cl- deal closes, assuming it does. Before this deal closes, uh, Buffett's company has about seven million uh, utility customers uh, and rate payers, whereas Envy Energy has about two point four million. So uh, it's it's significantly larger. Absolutely, and. Is this pretty common um, that utilities would be bought out by these huge investment conglomerates? You know, it's a good question. You don't see it very often. I, I can't think of too many utility conglomerates like this. They're, they are out there. I don't think Buffett's is the only one, but it's not as common as in, say, banking, where you see one company owning a half dozen community or regional banks. That That's fairly common, and there are a number of banks in Las Vegas that are owned under that structure. Uh, but with utilities, they tend to be either 
publicly owned and operated by a utility district or a county or a city or whatever, or they're owned by investors and their stock is traded publicly, just like Envy Energy, just like Southwest Gas Corporation, our natural gas provider here in Las Vegas. Uh, and those are, they're just independent standalone companies that are that are owned by shareholders. So so you do occasionally see them rolled up into one holding company, but I, I don't think it's as, as common as in other industries. And do we get, do you do get a sense in your reporting of how it came on his radar? Is it just a matter of the ticker and it was looking good or did he come out to Nevada to gamble? Yeah, no, I, I doubt he came out here to gamble. Um, it, but that, that would be kind of funny though. Um, you know, I don't know. They haven't said actually. And when I talked to uh, the CEO and the, the chairman of the board of directors on the day that they announced the deal, I asked them for these kinds of details. How did this deal come about? And they said they can't disclose that just yet, and they're going to wait, I think they said about 45 days. And that was, you know, as of May 29th, the day that they announced it. So it'll come sometime, I guess that'll be in early first or second week of July, when they, uh, by time they disclose those kinds of details. So it's a little unclear how this came about. Uh, typically, these deals happen when one CEO calls another CEO. That That is something that Michael Yakir, the CEO of Envy Energy, told me, but that's not unusual at all. Uh, that that's, That is who makes these deals, or at least that's who gets the ball rolling on these kinds of things. But um, you know, Warren Buffett is, is an incredibly smart man. Obviously, he's in his early 80s. He's the fourth richest man in the world. He's worth more than $50 billion, and, and for good reason. I mean, he's, he's got, you know, he comes across as this folksy Midwestern kind of guy, but he is incredibly smart and very sharp, and he's got armies of analysts and financial people who are, you know, I'm sure their full-time jobs are to look for takeover targets. And Envy Energy somehow, I'm sure, will learn how, uh, popped up on their radar. That's incredible. Now, let's go through the nuts and bolts first, and then we'll talk about the impact to you and me and everybody else who gets their power from the company. But yeah, um, Which is everybody in Vegas. Yeah, exactly. So first of all, I mean, this isn't a done deal. The shareholders, the Correct. current shareholders have to vote to approve this? That's right. Yeah, the shareholders still have to approve it, uh, and they're, they're going to vote on it, but a vote has not been set yet. Uh, so that's it's unclear when that's going to happen. And it also needs approval from state and federal regulators. I believe uh, the Nevada Public Utilities Commission, there's a federal uh, regulatory body that oversees utilities. I believe they have to approve it as well. And there might be some others too, but definitely those two. Uh, excuse me. And do you anticipate any holdups on either end? I mean, do you think it's a done deal among shareholders because they stand to gain pretty penny. I would suspect that the shareholders will, shareholders will vote for it. Uh, if you look if you look at the history of Envy Energy stock, it's been pretty inconsistent over the years. At one point, and, and it's funny because utility companies are generally very steady. They're they're slow growth. They so they you don't see huge you, you you see very little volatility unless there's some kind of external factors going on like maybe some kind of energy crisis or or what have you and that's actually that that did affect Envy Energy in 2002 or 2003 because of a big energy crisis in California because I think at the time Envy Energy was was getting a lot of its power from California and so uh, I think at one point the company was was nearing bankruptcy you know this is this is you know 10, 10 11 years ago uh, obviously not the situation now but. Um, so anyway, so typically the stocks are pretty steady, but with NV Energy, it's kind of had some ups and downs over the years. And, and like I said, in 03, it was down below $3. Uh, when the deal was announced, it had been, it, and by the time the deal was announced with Buffett, it had been climbing pretty steadily over the past year, but so had the broader stock market. Right. So all stocks are going up. And Buffett is willing to pay, I think it was like a 20 or 25% premium over the closing price of the day that it was announced. So I see no reason why shareholders, at least from a money standpoint, 
wouldn't be happy with this because they stand to gain a profit on it. And you spoke to a lot of them who who seem to be fine with this and were willing to put their trust in Buffett. Yeah, yeah. I spoke with a couple of uh, Las Vegas Valley residents, one woman in Henderson, one one man in uh, Northwest Las Vegas, and they're both retired and they both own stock in the utility and they both seem pretty happy with it. And one of them, one of the guys actually used to work for Envy Energy, and the uh, the woman in Henderson was a teacher. And uh, they they're, they're small shareholders; they're not they don't have big stakes in the company. But but they were pretty pleased with the with the uh, offering price. Gotcha. And as far as the regulators, state and federal authorities, any idea what might hold them up, or do you think that's just a procedural formality? It could be a formality. I. I don't know. I don't. I don't foresee any problems with that. But you never know. You know, with with regulatory bodies, you never know how they react. Sometimes they throw a wrench into uh, big mergers like this that come out of nowhere, and sometimes they give the green light. And uh, it's it's kind of tough to predict. Gotcha. Now the million dollar question: What we've all been waiting for? What does this mean for my bill? Yeah. I. You know. I don't see how this could directly affect power bills. I mean. It, all utility companies raise rates. That's that's just what they do, and that's that's how they make their revenue is off billing people. And that's uh, why people love them so much. And that's why <laughs> that's why people love their utilities. That's right. All, all across the country, people love their energy companies. But uh, and and you don't really have a choice. And and that's also, I think, their primary money maker, anyways, is off uh, off billing people. So if they're going to do projects, or if they need to refinance debt, or or whatever, sometimes they you know they they raise bills. And I just don't see how this would stop that. Right. And I also, I don't see how this would roll back rates either. I, I, I think it'll just really be kind of a status quo situation. Gotcha. And, and track history wise, Buffett doesn't really come in and shake things up. I mean, he takes a much more subdued approach. Yeah. He takes a very hands-off approach. That's one of the big reasons that people cite for his success is because he buys in general, you know, his typical deal is he goes in, he buys a profitable, long-standing, uh, you know, steady company that's been around for a long time that makes uh, that can be counted on to turn a good profit every year. It may not be the fastest-growing company, but it's also not a high-risk company. You know, his main business, his main area of business is insurance and reinsurance, which is basically insuring insurance companies. Right. I mean, it doesn't get more dry than that. <laughs> yeah. But it all, but it's also very profitable, and it's helped make him. You know, as I said, the fourth richest person in the world. So he owns a lot of utility companies. He owns a railroad. He owns Seas Candies. I mean, the list goes on and on for, you know, kind of slow, steady, and somewhat dry and boring companies. It's like Monopoly. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. Yeah. And with Envy Energy, like you said, he takes, a, you know, as you said, he takes a hands-off approach. He typically just leaves the management in place and lets them keep doing what they've been doing. And he's, it's very hands-off. I mean, Buffett himself, he's based out of Omaha, Nebraska. That's where Berkshire's headquarters are. They only have 24 employees. That's incredible. For, for Berkshire. Multi-billion yeah. dollar company. Yeah, and they've got... You know, I think the company controls, I mean, thousands of employees, if not a couple dozen thousand employees around the world that, that who they uh, directly or indirectly employ through, these, uh, through their uh, mergers. That's incredible. So. And you mentioned um, that he, he keeps the management in place, so we're, we shouldn't plan our goodbye parties for Michael Yakira? No, not anytime soon. No, yeah, Yakira's been at the helm for, I want to say, 
10 years or so. And he told me he expects to remain a CEO and the other executives who work alongside him that they re- they expect to remain in place. He also said, more broadly speaking, that when Buffett does a buyout like this, there aren't mass layoffs. for So for the rank and file employees, they're not expected to lose their jobs as a direct result of this merger either. So, uh, or of this buyout rather. So, um, so it could be really just more of the same. Well, and the Acura seems to be doing well. I mean, the company is growing and profitable, and uh, people are always going to have their criticisms of it, but it seems yeah. to be well-run, or Buffett wouldn't be coming in here. Right, yeah. Again, from a business standpoint, pe- people have a lot of gripes, and a lot of them are very legitimate with Envy Energy. Uh, but if you just look at it from a business standpoint, they, they do pretty well. Gotcha. Well, um, go get an interview with Warren Buffett and uh, find out what, what he wants to do with Nevada. The Oracle of Omaha, coming to Las Vegas. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's switch topics and go from... Like you said, the Oracle of Omaha to our own uh, <laughs> pride and joy, Wayne Newton. Um, we he's had some real estate news and also some legal struggles that appear yeah. to have reached their end. Yeah, they are nearing their end. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Wayne Newton, Mister Las Vegas, Don Shane himself, <laughs> he uh, is synonymous with Vegas and uh, is and is just as synonymous with his house in Las Vegas. Casa de Shenandoah. It's at the corner of Pecos and Sunset. Anyone who's lived in Las Vegas for more than a month has probably seen it. It's the big garish display of horses and right airplanes. Yeah, he's got a hangar, a jet hangar. He's, I mean, it's just a massive forty or fifty acre property with you know four or five houses on site and you know equestrian facilities. I mean, it's one of the most lavish, if not the most. Uh, lavish estate in the entire valley, and he's moving. He's lived there since the 60s, and, and Wayne Noon is packing his bags and his Arabian horses and his animals and his penguins and whatever else he's got over there, and he's moving a couple miles south to a new mansion. Well, it's, it's not newly built, but it's a, a new purchase for him. Uh, he and his wife bought it uh, in June, or sorry, in May, in mid-May, for uh, $3 million from Norbert Allman, who is the creator of the Crazy Girls Topless Show at the Riviera. And he bought it from him, and he also bought a nearby house just around the corner for one hundred and fifty grand. So he spent uh, you know, almost $3.2 million on the two homes. And he is, a source tells us, that he is moving by the end of June so into this new house. Packing his bales of hay in his clothes right now. And his, How do you move Arabian horses? Yes. I, I imagine with trailers. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> and so, no, why the move? Why the move? Well, it's tough to say. I, I haven't been able to find that out. I don't know exactly why, but there are uh, some things going on uh, with his legal problems that would that might indicate why. Uh, right now, he is the part owner of a company called CSD. That was set up about three years ago uh, with some other investors to buy out his entire property, the whole you know, 40-acre estate or whatever it is, and turned into a museum, similar to Elvis Presley's Graceland. It would be a museum dedicated to Wayne Newton. This has been in the news for a long time. A lot of people know about it. Uh, the company itself went bankrupt last October. They, I don't know if they ran out of money per se, but they weren't able to get the museum project going. They, they were just a flurry of lawsuits. It I know be- his neighbors hated him for the idea of yeah. bringing tour buses through their beautiful neighborhood. And- yeah, oh yeah, it, it, it just pissed a lot of people off. Who, both who weren't involved with the project and the people who were involved. It became just a gigantic mess. And tons of lawsuits and counter lawsuits and you know claims of sexual harassment and animal abuse and fraud and mismanagement. And there, even, there was even talk of death threats at one point. I mean, it just became a total fiasco. And all of those lawsuits have now been settled. They were settled in April. And, and that's a big deal. I mean, that, that's... Yeah, that, that in itself is, is a big deal. 
And but at the same time, the bankruptcy for this company is still ongoing. And of course, the museum was never built, but the bankruptcy is still there. And the Newtons only own 20% of this company, which means effectively, effectively they only own 20% of their own property. The majority owners are a company out of, or a couple rather out of Texas named uh, Lacey and Dorothy Harbor, L- Lacey being the husband and, and his wife Dorothy. And uh, they are in their 70s, I believe, very wealthy. Uh, Lacey and Dorothy own a bank, and he's an industrialist. He's been in uh, the oil business. I mean, he's, he's done a lot of things. Very successful businessman. Uh, has a lot of money. Owns a lot of uh, luxury mansions, actually, here in Vegas. He's a luxury mansion investor in, in Las Vegas. It's pretty interesting. That's a crazy job. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a side hobby for the, for the rich and famous. But um, So he and his wife own 70% of it. The remaining 10% of the company are owned by uh, the project manager for the museum, this guy, uh, uh, Stephen Kennedy. And anyway, so it's going through bankruptcy, and I'm told by one of the lawyers for this company that once it emerges from bankruptcy, they've got a plan in place. It still has to be approved. It could still be challenged. But once it emerges from un- under the current plan for bankruptcy uh, reorganization, the Harbors, this couple out of Texas, they would own the entire company, which means that they own all of Casa de Shenandoah. So the Newtons would have, they would, they would not own their home. And they, they could stay, in theory, they could lease it from the Harbors, but uh, given, the, I think, the acrimony between them over the years, that, that may, this is just my speculation, just me guessing, but that may not be an option for them. And I would imagine he, they probably want their own space, get this behind them, although it's, it's literally the end of an era. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, again, you know, as we were talking about, the Newtons are really synonymous with this, uh, with Casa de Shenandoah. It's such a, you know, lavish estate, and he's such a, you know, colorful singer and big personality, big house, and it's... Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with it. The, uh, Lacey hasn't said what he plans to do with the property. He might just sell it to someone else. Or he could develop something there. Who knows? It's it's up to him. You know, once he owns it. So yeah, well, it's a phenomenal, hugely piece of land. Um, oh, it's gigantic. Yeah. Absolutely. Although I would say, just it being Shenandoah with all its history, probably holds some value as well. So it would be a shame if they just tear it down. It, it really would, and I, and I doubt he would do that because his track record. In uh, in Vegas for the for his luxury investing is that he'll and he's told me this before is that he'll buy a home spend one to two million dollars renovating it or fixing it up really they, they don't need major renovations but you know fixing it up and making it nice and then selling them so he might he might this is again me just guessing but he might do the same thing with this absolutely and nobody should feel too bad for poor Mr Newton it's not like no. he's going to uh, you know the the Ramada down the street he did buy um, according to your reporting it's a two story 9,000 square foot mansion and uh, some nice digs. Yeah, it's a really nice house. That's the one he bought from the creator of uh, Crazy Girls. And uh, it it is a really nice home. And you really, you can't see it. I drove over there the other day and it's completely blocked in by trees. It's just not visible at all. But there are uh, marketing materials out there online which which show some really cool pictures. Uh, If you just type in the address online, you can find it. It's uh, 4140 East Oquendo. Uh, road in Las Vegas. It's at the corner of Aquendo and South uh, Southgate or something like that. And uh, anyways, but it's a it's a pretty nice property. Awesome. Well, we'll wish the best of luck to Mr. and Mrs. Newton and their new digs. And yeah. Vegas Inc. will have to send them a housewarming bottle of champagne or something. Yeah. Well, well, maybe we can go to the maybe we can go to their home you know home party or something. Yeah, like housewarming. That. So, yeah, exactly. House party, yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Eli. Yeah. Thank you, Don. Eli Siegel is our real estate and. Um, Everything Else Reporter for Vegas Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. You can follow his coverage at VegasInc.com and LasVegasSun.com. 
You're listening to Vegas Inc. Radio. We're part of Waking Up with the Sun. We're here every morning at seven, uh, every Monday morning, um, sorry, at 7 a.m. on KUNV 91.5 The Source. I'm your host, Ellen Goldberg, business editor of Vegas Inc. All right, we're going to sit with Ed Comenda, or one of our reporters for Vegas Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. Welcome, Ed. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on the show. Um, you've been following for a couple months now um, the union activity and its contract time. So give us an update. There's been some movement in the last couple of weeks on uh, contracts. Well, yeah, the culinary has been talking with MGM Resorts and uh, Caesars Entertainment about uh, inking a new labor deal. And... The union has been really busy uh, preemptively preparing for the worst. Um, They just released a website, which is uh, VegasTravelAlerts.org, which basically warns Vegas-bound visitors about possible labor strikes um, because contracts expired June 1st and they've yet to ink a new deal. Um, so there's always the possibility that there will be label disputes. Now, the the resorts have battled against this um, by signing contract extensions. MGM signed a contract extension that can be um, disintegrated with uh, within 14 days by either company uh, after that was signed. And Caesars, uh, according to their officials, uh, are in the process of signing a similar deal. And, uh, yeah, so they're, they're moving along. I mean... If I had to guess, um, there is a, d- a demonstration coming up, but that's related to the Cosmopolitan, where their workers have been working without a contract for two years, but that has nothing to do with these contract negotiations with MGM and Caesar. So, And I was just going to bring that up. I mean, the fact that we're in a couple weeks, or even if it gets to be months of contract extensions, that's not really a big deal. I mean, nothing really heated up with the Cosmo until almost two years past their due date. So, I right. mean, this isn't probably going to change anything. Is that right? Right. and that That's right. And the last time we had contract negotiations, uh, both companies signed, uh, Caesars and MGM, they signed contract extensions. And those negotiations lasted a few months after the, the deadline. So, um, I don't foresee any big problems outside of Cosmo. Um, like I said, uh, in previous stories, uh, culinary workers make up something like 20,000 workers at MGM. So they're, it's really a marriage. And for them to have a divorce, that would be detrimental to business. And I don't see that happening. So And both of them, for the workers, they want their jobs and the casinos need them to do their jobs. So Right, absolutely. And, and the union's going to do anything they can to remain visible. Um, they... they uh, they are huge in their numbers, um, but but they're doing everything as far as like social media and creating websites to really let people know that we're here and we're not going anywhere. So, so I guess they're in the throwing dishes phase and they need to get yeah. some makeup soon, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. And and if I had to guess, that's that's what's going to happen. So, and do you think the same? Does that go for Cosmo too? Do you think we're going to see an end to this, or do you expect? More protests and it, I, I if uh, I would say there's going to be more protests. Uh, the Cosmopolitan um, has a long way to go to become profitable again. If you look at uh, their debt load, and I uh, I don't, it's going to take years <laughs> for them to be in a comfortable position to really do something. Um, and granted, the workers uh, from the culinary at the Cosmo, um, th- there's about two thousand of them. Which isn't a, as big a deal as you know MGM or Caesars, but um, 
it'll be interesting to see what happens. This will be the third demonstration this year uh, regarding those contract negotiations. So, And we're only halfway through. Yeah, and who knows what's going to happen uh, at the end of the year, but I, I foresee similar uh, similar things. So, But it makes sense that companies, although, I mean, Caesars particularly isn't flush with money, however, mm-hmm. they seem to be doing slightly better than the Cosmo. It seems like, at least in if you've got economy of size, um, well, if you've got more money, you can do make more concessions for your workers. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Caesars does have a massive debt load. I think it's somewhere around thirteen billion. Uh, it's more than ten for sure. Uh, and, and they have projects going on. We have the Link project, was which was a um, five hundred and fifty million dollar project that's underway. And usually, you you can gauge the health of you know resorts by those projects. And the Link is uh, still going. And um, right. So. They're doing okay, it seems. The, the like I've said before, the the engineering behind their finances uh, must be brilliant uh, to to keep them, you know, where they're at. And yeah, so. And do we know what? Are there any major sticking points, or is it just little quibbles here and there, and they've just got to find middle ground? I, I think that well, obviously the the sticking points would be healthcare contributions, uh, things like that. Uh, the workers. Uh, want to be able to maintain a um, healthy lifestyle with their families uh, and they can't they don't want to be putting all their money toward health care because they hadn't before right. and um, it's hard to change you know people are creatures of habit and the union had people who have been lifers in the union have had it very well um, in the past so it's a little bit hard to deal with that so I would say health care is a big sticking point and then as things get more expensive uh, obviously, uh, they want to get paid more. So uh, of the two, probably the health care is probably more important. Yeah, know. especially with all the changes coming. Nobody yeah. knows quite what it's going to look like. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell, but that's that's probably the, the major sticking point. Well, are you going to be out there at the uh, next yes. protest? You'll yes, to... I will be there. Yeah. Okay. They're always uh, they're always fun to go to. It's it's amazing to see thousands of people <laughs> on the strip that aren't tourists. You know, uh, <laughs> all wearing the same color. Red shirts. Yep. Exactly. Well, so. good. Um, you'll have to keep us posted on what happens. Absolutely. We're almost out of time, but before we go, you had a neat story about. Um, a cool way to literally cool your beverages at a downtown casino. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the uh, we caught wind that the Golden Gate Hotel on Fremont, which is one of the oldest um, structures in Las Vegas, I think it was built in 1906, they actually use uh, geothermal wells that um, plumb 400 feet into the ground and use the uh, he- uh, uh, coolness and the heat of the earth to... Um, to basically generate energy to cool their slushies, uh, which we all know slushies are <laughs> it's a fixture of the strip. Uh, you come to Vegas for the first time, you're going to get one. They sell a lot of them, especially in their location on Fremont. And the yard glasses, of course. The yard glasses, <laughs> yeah, multicolored yard glasses. And um, so basically this geothermal system, um, yeah, they use these these cooling pipes that carry water deep into the earth, and there's an energy transfer that actually uh, heats up or cools down the water, which would then um, cool the drinks in a very complicated way. I don't want to get into it on radio because it's, uh, it's pretty complicated, but um, it's, it's also very expensive to do. But Greg Stevens, one of the uh, co-owners of the, of the place, uh, he's also a working engineer. He says that it's already started to pay for itself. Um, in energy savings? Yeah, they don't have a heating bill anymore uh, because they um, 
they basically have the system, so it's been zero, which is uh, something to say. I mean, imagine over 10, 15 years if they were able to maintain the system, uh, the savings that they would have for a you know, semi-major um, casino, you know, so. Absolutely. And how long has it been in place? Uh, I think it's been in place a couple of years, and I think it was 2010. I may be wrong. I, I when it, <laughs> Every story I go on to, I forget a little bit about the last one I did, but um, it's been in place for a couple of years, and they're very happy with it. Um, Caesars Entertainment actually has a green program that they're interested in doing it, but with uh, properties of their size, it's kind of hard to put that in, uh, and it costs a lot of money, which <laughs> they would probably rather spend that on unions than they would on, um, you know, geothermal uh, plumbing. So absolutely, but that's yeah. a pretty cool application. We've we've seen it in schools and yeah. lead office buildings, but absolutely. now casinos. So. Absolutely. It started in northern Nevada, and now it's uh, making its way down here on the Strip. And I, I would say that it'll become more common in the next decade or so. So Awesome. Well, listeners, next time you're slurping on your slushy uh, downtown, you can know that it was cooled in a pretty neat way. Yes, it's awesome. Awesome. Well, that's all the time we've got. Thanks so much, Ed. Yeah, absolutely. Ed Comenda is our gaming reporter for Vegas Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. You can follow his coverage at VegasInc.com or LasVegasSun.com. This is Vegas Inc. Radio, part of Waking Up With the Sun. We're here every Monday at 7 a.m. on KUNV 91.5 The Source. I'm your host, Ellen Goldberg, business editor of Vegas Inc. Thanks to Steven Zeller, our producer, and the entire KUNV team. And thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your day. <laughs>